I'm Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today from Pretoria is the Director General of the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, Advocate Mikateko Joyce Maluleke, who is an advocate of the High Court of South Africa, a member of the Johannesburg Society of Advocates. Her qualifications include a BA, LLB and LLM tax. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you and good morning to the listeners. TG, our interview ties in with Youth Day, and this year marks the 46th anniversary of the 16th of June 1976 student uprising in Soweto, when young people protested against the imposition of Afrikaans by the apartheid regime as a medium of instruction. The events of June 16th mark the role of youth in South Africa's liberation struggle, And I would also say it it reflects the power of youth as a a driving force of change. The theme of this year's Youth Month is promoting sustainable livelihoods and resilience of young people for a better tomorrow. Please, can you tell us what Youth Day means to you? Youth Day is important uh, because 1976, I was 15 years when the riot started. And I was part of the commotion and all those things. Though I was not in Soweto, I was born in Alexander. And you know that even Alexander came to standstill at some point during that time. Um, Alexander, it started on the 18th of June, not actually the 16th. You know, we were hearing 16 June in Soweto, whatever, but then it came It came to Alexander. So I, I believe that I'm one of those people who contributed to uh, uh, the power of young people of changing the course of circumstances, even though many of them died, um, um, you know, bullets were going past us, our heads and whatever during that time, but uh, we were there. So I understand for me, uh, June 16 represents, as you've indicated, the power of young people, but also the awareness of young people of things that are happening around them, but also the sanity of young people, because those people were saying we're not using substance abuse, they were not using uh, alcohol and all those things. So they used to understand exactly what is happening around them. And they even planned in terms of how they're going to surprise the system, even though the system ended up uh, attacking them and killing them. But the message ran through the whole world, not just in South Africa, that young people were sick and tired of what was happening. And when we think about young people, it's important to acknowledge that in South Africa, 65% of our population is under the age of 35. So we are a youthful nation. And with your department, I know that you've got several programs underway, which are directed towards youth. So be it aspects of the uh, Nelson Mandela Youth Dialogue or the ethical leadership program that you've got in place. Can you share with us some of those highlights? Yes, thank you. I'd like to start with now the 16th of June. 
the 16th of June, I think you have seen even on radio or, or on TV where the president uh, acknowledged the young people who are uh, trailblazers within, uh, um, uh, um, you know, the, the youth. Uh, one of them is starting to, is, is trying to manufacture a car and it will be the first car in South Africa. So uh, we are proud of what young people are doing, though we are concerned about uh, the high rate of substance abuse and alcohol abuse and suicide from young people. Young people have got uh, challenges of mental health issues and others. I think COVID-19 also exacerbated the challenge because some of them now have to be youth-headed families or child-headed families. Those are some of the challenges that young people are facing. However, uh, the NYDA nation National Youth Development Agency is our agency, the agency that is under the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. It works with young people in order to ensure that it helps them to be able to start their own businesses, to link them up with other businesses, but also to give them startup grants. But on the Nelson Mandela Youth Dialogue and um, ethical leadership program. What we are doing is that you know that South Africa is blended, xenophobic and all those things. And yet South Africa as a country is not xenophobic. It's just that sometimes the understanding of the people in the communities is what is a challenge. Uh, so we, 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 we are trying to ensure that there's a relationship between South Africans and those that come from other uh, countries in, in Africa, but also to raise awareness that Africa needs Africa. The African countries are our market. Um, if, if, if South Africa can have access to the markets in, the, in those other countries in Africa, the unemployment rate will be addressed. The economic challenges will be addressed. So we need, we need each other. Africa needs us and we need them. But also is to raise awareness on the ethical leadership of Nelson Mandela. After Nelson Mandela was kept in prison for 27 years, when he came out, he was preaching peace, reconciliation, and he led South Africa to a democratic state, and he led the drafting of one of the uh, most celebrated constitution in the world. So we are saying, because young people are the ones that are used for wars, so we are trying to promote ethical leadership so that young people understand that when there's war, they will never develop. But at the same time, you'll never achieve what you want. You'll just kill people and not achieve what you want. However, when there's peace and security, we can grow as Africa and ensure the Africa that we all want. And, and there are many other programs. In October, we're planning a program where we want to ensure that all unemployed uh, young graduates are placed in certain uh, uh, companies. We've already agreed with Minister of Department of Higher Education and Training uh, science and innovation um, that the CITAS will assist us uh, because other companies will say we can't employ because we don't have money. So we're going to match uh, the unemployed graduates with the companies where they belong. If they're geologists, they have to work within a geology uh, company. If they're engineers, IT, if they have become and whatever, we want to ensure that after the conference, we have zero percentage of unemployed graduates. That is a fantastic initiative. All of these components that you've mentioned from having greater integration with different countries within the African continent, being able to open up these economic opportunities and 
conduits to traffic goods, manufacturing, um, uh, let's say, human capital and, and talent across our borders so that we become more sustainable as a continent and self-sufficient. Hi, I'm Zonke Digana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to advocate Mikateko Joyce Maloleke, who is the Director General of the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Staying with the dynamic of economic empowerment, because women are a key focus for our show, and yes, you've highlighted some of the initiatives from a youth perspective, which obviously women make up 50% of that contingent, but I understand the department has a program phrased as social transformation and economic empowerment. And the purpose of the program is to facilitate and promote the attainment of women's socioeconomic empowerment and gender equality. Please, can you tell us a little bit more about this program, what it aims to achieve, or indeed what milestones it has accomplished to date? Um, I think you might have seen last year in October, the president launched WECONA. We call it WECONA. It's W-E-C-O-N-A. It's Women's Economic Assembly. Um, It's women in government, women women in private sector coming together, meeting all these sectors, economic sectors, your automobile and your mining, your agriculture and the others to say what is in it for women in this sector. Because now that they are developing the, the master plans, the master plans indicate how the economy is going to be developed in that sector. And those master plans include women, as you would know that everybody talks 30%, and the president has already pronounced 40% uh, procurement for women in public service. However, you find that these percentages are in the documents. However, in reality, they are not there. Some of the sectors, they close even access for women. Let me just make an example with with the automobile sector. The automobile sector, they'll tell you that if there's a new opportunity that exists or a car dealership is closed and one needs to buy it, they say uh, they must have the right of refusal before anybody comes in. So in that instance, they'll always get the ones that are very progressive and any entrant, whether it's a female or anyone else will get those that are are dysfunctional. And yet the competition commission had already issued a directive that the issues of a right of refusal do not apply. They should allow those women and others to be able to access that industry before, but that is not happening. So that's what we are working on. But also as a department, we've decided that there is not going to be a mega project in South Africa. 
where women, youth, and persons with disabilities are not involved. I know we're focusing on women, but for me, my mandate is women, youth, and persons with disabilities. So wherever I go, it's a package. I'll just give you an example. You know that we're talking the economic uh, reconstruction and recovery program where government has one plan in terms of how to you know, and grow our economy, whether it be mining, energy, infrastructure, and and all those. So um, infrastructure South Africa is part of the economy, the broader economic reconstruction and recovery program. And there are different programs that are happening within that. One of them is the Eastern Seaboard Development. Uh, The Eastern Seaboard Development is a program that is focusing on the Eastern Board a, a districts. There are four districts within this Eastern Port, within Eastern Cape and KZN. These uh, districts are in front of the sea, uh, um, the sea coastal coastal districts. So there's going to be a development of a new coastal city, and it focuses on six areas. Um, it's infrastructure and property development, is uh, mining, oil and gas, uh, it's agriculture is Ocean's Economy, they're even going to build a port, is uh, agriculture, and then tourism and 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 uh, IT, oh, tourism, and uh, it's tourism, IT, and um, creative industries. If you look at them, they, they will create billions. If women are not involved there, women will continue being poor. So what we've done, we've been hosting Indabas, uh, to raise awareness to women so that they understand the projects and what is required. But also what we do, we insist that the ones that are running the programs must, must develop a value chain process where they can look at where women can be plugged in, but also the training of those women to be able to participate in those programs. Did you a few things. One, when we were talking offline, we spoke about this issue of mindset shift from not thinking about women as victims, but thinking about women as contributors. Then you also mentioned that for such a long time, we've had this view of we need 30% and, and now we're on to a view of, of 40%. But sometimes I feel, yes, those quotas are important because it means that we've got a target to to achieve. But sometimes I feel that that almost institutionalizes an element of competition because if you have only got 30% of the pie or 40% of the pie available to you, that that kind of causes some conflict between other women because you're fighting for a, a limited component. And then the third piece of this is how are we going to ensure that women really gain access to the the strong value-add opportunities and not relegated to to the sidelines of, let's say, superficial procurement elements? Thank you. The 30% or 40% is not limited to 30%. It says at least. So, there shouldn't be an instance where there are no women at all. So at least 30% should be to women. But if women can get 70%, they can get 70%. However, you find that there are areas where women, because of our history in South Africa, but the history of patriarchy, where women have not operated. So you find that women cannot 
compete. So you need to set up a target to say, you make sure that there's this target, but you assist them to be able to achieve. And that applies to all sectors. So if all sectors were to apply that, then women will not be fighting because there are women who are into infrastructure, then they will go for that 30%. There are women who are in mining or energy, they'll go for that 30%. There are women who would be in IT or, or financials or whatever. So if every sector applied there to ensure that at least 30% or more women participate, there wouldn't be any competition. But also the competition is also a challenge. Some of the companies that succeed, they're not competing. They come together to be a, a, a recon force. So that's what women also have to do to make sure that they can connect, collaborate, and contract. That is the theme for 9 August. 9 August, we want to establish the biggest market expo in the world where we're going to bring 90,000 women together, where we say connect, collaborate, and contract to win. If women come together, connect, collaborate, and contract, women will win. Wow, that is a very powerful statement. Connect, collaborate, contract. And to be able to bring them through 90,000 women so that you've created that social networking environment where those con contacts and contracts can be conducted, it really is going to, to help women excel. But we also say, come with your credit card or your debit card and cash to come and buy because we're also bringing small businesses, your small or informal businesses to come and sell their things there so that we can empower them because that would be access to markets. Many women are trying, they, but they don't have markets. They don't have access to markets. That is why they end up relegated to grants. No woman wants to earn a grant. Every woman wants to work and contribute. Thank you. It's a very, very empowering initiative. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to advocate Mikateko Joyce Maloleke, who is the Director General of the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. DG, as you know, you were one of the very first guests that we hosted on Womanity, Women in Unity, going back some eight years ago. And one of the topics that we discussed then was the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill, which ultimately lapsed, but that also spoke about looking towards achieving percentages and helping accelerate women's economic empowerment. You have extensive knowledge of both national and international frameworks on the empowerment and protection of women. Thinking about the recent past, in your opinion, what would you say have been some of the important equality gains that women have attained? Thank you. Uh, you know, one thing that we have achieved as a country 
is de jure. When you say there's de jure and de facto, de jure is legally, de facto is factually, uh, you know, uh, substantively. Uh, de jure we have achieved, even though, yes, there are women who might not know about the laws or the rights or whatever, but it's one thing that we have achieved. Uh, it's no longer allowed to discriminate against a, a woman. Our constitution is one of the most celebrated constitutions, which incorporates a, a socioeconomic rights in the constitution. Most countries do not have that. Even the US doesn't have the socioeconomic uh, 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 rights within the constitution. It doesn't have the Bill of Rights, which incorporates incorporate the socioeconomic rights. Um, uh, uh, it is prohibited to discriminate against women because of their gender or, or because of uh, their age or, or, or color. It, it, it is uh, uh, prohibited to discriminate uh, against women in terms of culture and all those things. You know, we have the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act. I know that it, it, it has raised many controversies that people are saying it must be abolished. But let me tell you, I always say the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act showed how South Africa is democratic. Women who were in those marriages were the ones, I, I remember when, when we joined government, we were one of the people who were saying, polygamy must go, polygamy must go. And those women said to us, we're already in polygamy. Don't bastardize our children. Recognize polygamy. So for them, it's a gain. For someone who's not there, someone who thinks I'm an academic, I'm, I'm, I'm an activist, whatever, who thinks that it discriminates against women. But women who are in those marriages, it was a gain for them to pass that act. They felt that they were right, their rights were recognized. So, so, so that is where the controversy comes in, that some say no, but some said it's an achievement for it to be recognized. There were many challenges when it was implemented, but the courts are always, you know, carving those rights to protect women in those marriages, even though in the process, some women are not protected because it's women who get into marriages. When the court decides in favor of this woman, the other woman, you find that the law is against, but it was an achievement. Um, um, you know, uh, um, sexual harassment, we have laws that are against sexual harassment. Previously, uh, people could do it and women didn't have a right. So one thing that I always say is that in terms of the law, you have something to fall on. And if you can take that matter to court, you know that you'll win the court. The only challenge that we have is economic empowerment. And yes, there are few women. Let me tell you, we have women now who are billionaires in South Africa, but you can count them. You can count them. And I think they are not even, I think you can count them. They are within five, if any. We have millionaires, but still, how many are they? Majority of women are still poor. Majority of women are still staying in shacks. Uh, majority of women are cleaners. And after COVID now, they are working two days or three days. Those are some of the challenges. However, in terms of social rights, um, um, we have that protection, even economically. That is why now jobs have to be advertised and everyone has to compete to find a job, even though there will be other things that would lead to a man being appointed. But you know that you can take it to court and challenge it in court. That on its own is a right. Thank you for, for sharing some of those developments. And you, you're completely right. When we reflect back on some of those achievements and gains that have been put in place, we've almost taken them for granted because of that evolution and development process. And also understanding that 
what works for some women won't work for others. And that we always have to look at how we knit and weave in together custom, socio factors, and how those can be modernized as we move along with our, our future. Staying with the theme of gender equality, and, and we know that it is thankfully um, an issue of growing importance, we have elements like the United Nations who has in their sustainable development goals established goal five, which speaks to gender equality. And some of those targets uh, deal with ending all forms of discrimination, eliminating all forms of violence against women and girls, recognizing and valuing unpaid care and domestic work, and the last aspect, which has really been part of our conversation, is ensuring that women have full and effective participation and equal opportunities for leadership at all levels of decision-making in political, economic, and public life. In your view, thinking about some of the legislative components that we discussed earlier and looking ahead at more practical solutions what type of actions do you think individuals can take to help achieve some of these targets for the greater female collective? Um, I think I, I want to start with this challenge that we have in South Africa, um, because uh, um, Goal 5 also talks to ending gender-based violence. One of the biggest challenges for us in South Africa is gender-based violence. I think you, uh, because I am afraid when whether we are driving or wherever we are afraid, you have to be extra careful and all those things wherever you are. It's not safe even when people are in their houses. It's not safe for children and all those. So collectively, we need to come up with a strategy to end gender-based violence. And the challenge is that uh, ending gender-based violence is not what happens now. It's also looking at the future. How do we make sure that we nip it on the bud for the future, not those that are going to present now? How do we raise our children uh, to be those people who know that you don't solve problems by violence, but you, you talk and negotiate? And, and, and if you have to walk away, you walk away um, where you raise your son to know that, you know what, if, if a girl says to me, she no longer wants me, uh, I tell her that, you know what, that's your loss. I'll find someone better than you rather than kill that girl. So ending gender-based violence is something that all of us needs to work towards and not blame somebody else. The challenge is that by the time it goes to the criminal justice system, your daughter has died. So how do we protect or, or a woman has died. How do we stop that one? That's the biggest thing. But also, there are laws and policies uh, in government. Some people benefit from them. Some, some don't benefit because some will not read. Some will not look at how do I make sure that I empower myself. Uh, um, economic empowerment and promotion network. It's your responsibility. Because sometimes people will end up complaining, I'm not promoted or I'm not economically empowered and whatever. Um, let me just give you an example. You know, I, I was born in Alexander, you know, Alexander Township. I'm from Alexander and I have family members that I grew up with, my siblings. We are not all at the same time because of the decisions that we take. Some decide to leave school and then the next thing they will you know, 
a challenge to the society. Some continue, some decide to be, even if they didn't go to school, they become artists or they become, because it's not just about going to school. It's about what career do you choose for yourself in life? I think that is what all of us need to ensure. But also, I think it's important that all of us understand that we are responsible for our development. Taking ownership of your actions, your futures and responsibilities. She decides. She decides. She decides that problem that says she decides because the minute she takes a decision, she's going to implement it. She's going to go through with that decision. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. A program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. Today, we're talking to advocate Mikateko Joyce Maloleke, who is the Director General of the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. On that vein, DG, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields is about the factors that they consider to have contributed to their success, whether it is about self-belief, values, focus, faith. Please, can you tell us what have been some of your key drivers to success? Uh, first of all, I'm a woman of faith. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a born-again Christian. That's one thing that keeps me going, and that makes me believe that I'm able to achieve anything that I want. But also because of the community where I come from, as indicated, I come from Alexander. When you look at Alexander, you 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 cross the highway. It's sent in the richest uh, a city in the in Africa. You cross the the highway on the other side is one of the poorest uh, uh, communities. I believe that. Um, all of us, when we do something, we can be able to pull someone along and, and, and improve their lives. So my motto is, I believe that everyone has a potential to change, to grow. I left school in 1976 during the riots. I even worked at the factory. After, being, after 10 years, I resigned from the factory, went back to school, started from grade nine. And here am I today. A, a, an advocate. I'm a director general. I believe that everyone who has an opportunity can be able to be somebody, can contribute to the growth of South Africa. One thing I want to say to everyone is that the GDP of a country is determined by the individuals of that country. So all of us need to ensure that we contribute so that our GDP can grow. Thank you. DG. What you've just shared with us has been very impactful. I mean, you, you, we talk about people coming from disadvantaged backgrounds, being vulnerable members of society. And if we were to look at your, your case, that would certainly speak to those elements. How did you make it? How did you take that jump, take that ownership 
and move on and follow through with your ambitions? I think uh, when you started, you said, what is it? Did you believe in yourself? I think first thing is that, yes, as I said, I believe in God. I believe that I'm one person. I believe in God, but also I believe that I can make it. I believe that I can make a difference. When I came back to government, I, I, I at first I didn't want to come back, but I ended up saying, now that I'm given an opportunity, let me make a difference in the lives of many people. And I came back because I believe that I can, and I believe I am doing that. And reflecting on your life, can you tell us about some of the pivotal events that have shaped you into the person you are today? Um, 1976 is one of those uh, that made me to be aware of the things that are happening and that made me to be aware of the, 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 the disadvantages and the discrimination against uh, uh, black people. And that was one of the reasons that I ended up being a lawyer. Uh, I mean, admitted advocate because of that, but also even now, that's one thing that is driving me to ensure that I make a difference in the lives of many women in South Africa. And I believe that you empower a woman, you empower a nation. If we can be able to empower women, we will address even the issues of social ills, your, 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 your teenage pregnancy, your substance abuse, and all those. And can you tell us who have been some of the strong women in your life? My mother. You know, my mother, uh, um, I think she's, she studied until Standard 6 long ago. Um, she, 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 she was a small businesswoman, informal businesswoman, but she managed to raise 10 children and, and, and took us to school. So I felt like that was powerful. But also I've worked with Tulima Donsela. Tulima Donsela, uh, you know, she, she contributed a lot. Um, I've worked with Moses Pumzilem, Lambongoka. I've worked with uh, Manto Shabalala, the late uh, uh, Dr. Manto Shabalala Simang. She's contributed a lot. I've worked with Bridget Mabandla. Um, I've worked with so many women, powerful women, who've really uh, uh, taught me uh, a lot. And all those women you mentioned, I think when I think about their names and I, I include your mum into this, is that they contribute to society. They weren't doing things just for themselves. They were doing things for the greater good. Yes. And lastly, as we close out our conversation today, in commemoration of the 46th anniversary of Youth Day and remembering June 16th, 1976, Please, will you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to girls and women in Africa that are listening to us? I want to say one of my biggest concerns uh, is that South African, young, more especially Black Africans, do not own assets in South Africa, but also in Africa. I want young people to know how to use the stock files. You know the stock files. South African women have been using the stock files to bring money together, but they've never used it uh, to gain power with that. I want young people to be able to come together, even if it's a million of them and each contribute a thousand, it's a billion, and start investing in capital assets in Africa and in South Africa so that they can own Africa. Asset equality is power. 
there are two things that they need to understand. There's in, income inequality, there's asset inequality. Income inequality is um, access to income. Yes, we have a, a high rate of, un, of, of unemployed youth, but it can be solved tomorrow, even though the solution is you getting a job, even if the job doesn't pay you enough, like someone who gets 14 million per annum when you are getting 2,000 per annum. But asset equality is critical to determine the direction of policy and the economy of the country. Young people, make sure that you own assets, even if it means you contribute 50 rand per month uh, for a 12 year and many of you invest in assets that will give you the power that you need to rule. Thank you very much. Thank you for those practical words and thank you for all of the contributions that you've shared with us on the show. For me, I will certainly be taking away the three C's of connect, collaborate and contract. And you've really created this view for me of sustainability, of a circular economy, that we have got this potential, but we just need to embrace it and make it work for all of us. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's been wonderful to see you again. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to advocate Mikadeko Joyce Maluleke, who is the Director General of the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities.